You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick. So sports may be hard to come by at the moment. Nothing's permanent. I'm not saying it's permanent. But The Dan Patrick Show is impossible to miss. From our podcast to YouTube to the iHeartRadio app. Listen any way you want, anytime, anywhere. Get away from me. Probably at your house. I'm just going to make some assumptions. Casting from a responsible social distance. I've got uh, Fritzy at home, McLovin at home, Seton at home. Paulie is here in the man cave. Dan Patrick and the Danettes bring you the best in sports-ish kind of talk. It's Damian Lillard who joins us on the program from my Portland Trailblazers. How's the house? Built me a little recording studio out inside the house. I got me a game room set up. Bringing Bob Nightingale. If we do play baseball, who would be the favorite to win it all this year? I think the Dodgers are loaded. I love that Mookie Betts trade. When baseball comes back, I don't know how my fans are going to jump all over the Astros. It's like, with all we, we've gone through, are we really going to boo these guys? Do we really care that much about baseball cheating? And now, from the Mercedes Man Cave. This is Dan Patrick. Oh, I was just watching NBA TV, and they had the Knicks against the Utah Jazz, the New Orleans Jazz, I should say, and it was uh, 1977, February 25th, 1977. Pete Maravich had 68 points in a win against the New York Knicks. I'm yelling at the TV because he's called for two offensive <laughs> fouls. Maravich fouled out of a game in New Orleans. He scores 68 and two cheap offensive fouls. I'm upset about this. They had no three-point shot back then. He would have had 80 points. He had 68, and he was a great outside shooter. And he had Walt Frazier guarding him, or at least trying to. Butch Beard, Dean Meminger, Earl Monroe. They, a ticky burden, I think, was also trying to guard him. <laughs> Not all at the same time, but they had... Uh, Five different guys they rotated on Maravich, but he put up 68 back in uh, February 1977. I'm yelling at the screen. Paulie goes, what's wrong? I go, that's an offense. That's not an offensive foul. <sighs> yeah, Paul. It's like a time machine. You're looking at the screen going, what are they doing? How can they call that? <laughs> what, what was it? And you're yelling at the ref who's in black and white, and he's probably not even alive anymore. I know. Why isn't it in color? I don't know. I'm watching the game. It's not in color. But uh, Maravich put up uh, 68 uh, I, on the Knicks. I, I tell you, I don't think I've ever watched an hour of Pete Maravich before. I just spent an hour watching him play. I'm fascinated by his handle compared yeah. to everyone else on the court. He he doesn't even look – it looks like you took a, a player from today, built a time machine, and sent him back to the mid-'70s. And he's 6'5 with a handle like that and had a great jumper, uh, great, great passer. His team is so bad. I – you know, because people said, oh, he's a gunner. If you see the lineup that he had back then, I understand why he was. I think he led the NBA in scoring that year with 31. Uh, welcome to the program, already in progress. <laughs> I've been on fire for an hour here yelling at the screen. But uh, the game is over. Maravich had 68. Fouled out at home. What, what home refs are going to foul out the star at home? Get the name of those referees. I'm mad. I don't care if they're not with us any longer. I'm mad. All right. Cal Ripken Jr. will join us on loan from uh, the Baltimore Orioles. It'll be good to talk to Rip about the ambitious plan that baseball has to bring everybody back and maybe play all those games in Arizona. Daniel Jeremiah, is it a smokescreen 
do the Dolphins want Justin Herbert? And uh, as somebody said to me yesterday, hey, don't get played by this. And I said, I, I'm just looking at this from the logical standpoint of if you can interview Tua, get in front of him and actually work him out, are you going to take a risk if you're the Miami Dolphins? Are you going to move up and trade and try to get Tua? And that's why I think Justin Herbert is on the board for the Miami Dolphins because he is a safer pick and if now you might say there's a big difference between the talent with these two, but and Justin Herbert, I think, is joining us Friday on the program. Hank Aaron will join us on this day, April 8th, 1974. One of my heroes set the all time home run record, 715. We'll talk to Hank, he'll join us. And uh, she is a great basketball player for Oregon, the uh, two time Wooden Award winner, Sabrina Ionescu will join us coming up a little bit later on. So we are jam-packed here. Glad you're part of the program. You can watch, you can listen, you can tweet, email, you can do all the above. We have over 100,000 votes. Meet Madness. Got some close matchups here. We'll run down some of those a little bit later on, but you can vote. And uh, check out the DP Show. Uh, We got our DP Show store there. A lot of great T-shirts. And uh, check them out. Go to danpatrick.com. More on that coming up. Tampa Bay Buccaneers unveiled their new uniforms yesterday. And I know under normal circumstances, that's pretty light news day. But now, NFL uniforms provided a bit of a distraction this offseason. Just ask the Rams. They unveiled that controversial change a couple of weeks ago. Buccaneers less polarizing. Tom Brady's going to be wearing the uniform that looks like the one that they won the Super Bowl in under John Gruden. But they missed out. I need the alternate creamsicle jersey. They were great. The only uniform that can even challenge that is the Chargers powder blue. And I get it, the Buccaneers might be a little bit more serious with Brady under center, but I hope they trot out the creamsicles because with Tom in town for at least the next two years, and, you know, Bruce Arians, head coach, said, you know, those will be the alternates. When we can get the alternate helmets in there, then we're going to have the creamsicles. The Falcons next week will show off their new uniforms. I don't know if they're going to go old school. Have the Falcons changed their uniforms in a while? I'm not sure, but uh, I don't think you'll get as much attention when the Falcons announce their new uniforms. But with Brady yesterday, I think they wait for the creamsicle. That's when you bring out the heavy artillery. That's when Giselle is going to be maybe modeling the uh, creamsicle. Maybe once a year. You bring those out. Maybe the color rush there, you do that. But the creamsicle, that's, uh, that's happening. I uh, think Tom Brady uh, was on with Howard Stern. I think the interview is over. I know they had some technical difficulties. I did not get a chance to listen to it. But, you know, Paulie and I were just talking about this. It's like a heavyweight title fight. Because you got Tom Brady who strategically says nothing. By design. Now, he does have a wicked personality sense of humor. He does. But you haven't seen that on display. And if you're going to go into Howard Stern's dojo, then you can expect, you know, some pretty pointed questions here. And they're not just about Bill Belichick or Deflategate. It'll be about Giselle. It'll be about their sex life. Um, That's what I find interesting, that Brady would agree to do this. And, you know, what Howard Stern created is, Howard's very curious. He's as curious as any interviewer. And what happens is when you go into his studio or you go into his world, then it's his rules. You know that. You sign up for that. 
It's not like you say, hey, I'll do it, but I don't want you asking me these questions. You go on, you want to please Howard, you want to answer, you want to be provocative, you want his fan base to say, boy, that was a great guest, and that's why I was surprised Brady was going to do this. And if you sit there for an hour, Howard's going to get something out of you, something that you may not know that you're going to reveal, but that's always been the beauty of what he's created with his show, you know, three decades You go in, you sit down, he's going to ask you questions to make you uncomfortable. He doesn't want to go in there and say, hey, let's just sort of dance around things. He he wants to ask you pointed questions, and he wants you to be uncomfortable. He wants you, although he wants you to be relaxed enough to tell him something, but Brady sitting down, unless he had something to sell, if it was TB12, but why now for Brady? Unless, hey, I'm out of New England, now I can take off the seatbelt, take off the shot. I can say whatever I want to say. But I don't know. Like, if I'm Tom Brady, do I need to do that? Do I care to do that? You're going to talk about how Robert Kraft didn't have your back during Deflategate? You're going to talk about how you had no relationship personally with Bill Belichick? Okay. I don't don't know. What really happened in Deflategate? Is the interview still going on, Pauling? Sources tell me it's still going okay. on. Okay. Yeah. I think you nailed it, though. I, I think Brady is saying, hey, I am I can control my everything now. I don't have to be under the umbrella. Because I think when he's a patriot, even though he's beyond reproach, he pro- he kind of followed the, the company line of let's keep it all in-house and not do these type of interviews. And he did that for 15 years. I can, I can tell you for a fact the Howard Stern producers have been trying to get him for 15 years. Yeah. And this is the closest, this is the first time they got him, obviously. I did an interview with Tom Brady for the back page of ESPN, the magazine, Outtakes. And we recorded it on a Monday night. And this was a long time ago. So this is probably 15 years ago. He was great. We talked for a half hour, fun questions. You know, even at one point, I said, You sure you want to say that? And he goes, I don't know, do I? I go, You probably don't. I mean, it wasn't that controversial, but for him and the Patriots, it probably would have been. But he was great sense of humor, self-deprecating, just really interesting. And then when I would hear him at these press conferences, I was like, man, he has so much to tell you. And he can do it in an entertaining way. And maybe that's what Howard's going to get out of Tom Brady. If he does, then we all benefit from that. But I I was surprised when I saw that Tom was going to sign up there. Yeah, Seton. I think it's kind of hilarious just the way that this interview is being covered. Like, I mean, like, look at just the way that we're talking about it. Like, all right, as far as we know, the interview is still going on. We believe Tom Brady is live. We're having breaking news coverage of this. Like, I mean, like, it's just, it's funny because it really speaks to sort of the star power of both of those guys that, like, Howard Stern is talking to Tom Brady. Holy crap, this is amazing. But I can't think of another time that one, it's like, he's not testifying in front of Congress. He's doing an interview, you know? Well, he did an interview with Hillary Clinton that I was surprised that she went into, you know, and it turned out to be a great interview from what he got out of her and the questions he asked her. I think that's what's what's interesting. But I I look at it as a heavyweight title fight. What is Howard asking and what will Brady cough up? And there's certain, you know, Derek Jeter, I don't think would ever do this. But that's why I was surprised that Tom Brady would sit down. And he's not even in studio with Howard because if he did that, that's when I think Howard moves in for the kill. If he has you in studio, then you're really in his world. But, uh, yeah, you're right. 
It is a slow news day there, Seton. Maybe that's why this is. <laughs> Do you, you think know. that's contributing? To- I, I led the show with a game from 1977 with Pete Maravich. We believe the car has pulled into yeah. the lot. He yeah. is yeah. getting He out. got out. He's, there is a microphone in hand. Yeah. Uh, this program is brought to you by the great folks at LegalZoom. Need to make it legal? Make it LegalZoom.com. Take care of your family today with the right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. You can set up the estate plan without leaving your home. LegalZoom.com. Come up with a poll question. Got a stat of the day. Got a play of the day. Got a lot of things to uh, talk about. McLevin, what are you sitting on today? Okay, well, Paul, he had a fun Tom Brady Howard Stern poll that I'll let him share. Okay. If you could get an honest take from Tom Brady, like where an honest conversation where he gives you everything on a topic. Bill Belichick, Giselle, uh... Deflategate, Robert Kraft, other. Where a series of questions where it's completely honest, and he gives you everything. You know, like a chunk of the interview is just like, I want to hear this part. The fact that it's Howard Stern, I would say Giselle, <laughs> but but that's just because it's Howard. Uh, I would I would want to know about Belichick. I would want to know how deep that disappointment or animosity, anger frustration, whatever that might be, I think that that's, that's what I would want to know. Because that would always, that'll always fascinate me that Belichick is not going to dish on that. And maybe Tom does, but then Tom, it feels like Tom's already on to Tampa Bay. And, you know, why do that? Because then it just starts the news cycle back up again, and you're going to be, you know, then you go to Belichick, and Belichick's not going to say anything, and then people in Tampa are going to ask Tom about this the next time he gets in front of the media there, but um, probably Belichick. Because I still go back to, not that you have to be best friends with the quarterback and the coach. I don't know Dan Marino's relationship with Don Shula. I always got the impression it was a deep respect for one another and appreciation. I just, I don't know if you can play that position be around somebody that amount of time, but be uncomfortable around that person. And that's what I always felt, that Brady was uncomfortable around Belichick. And maybe vice versa. But Brady in particular, you know, Chuck Knoll and Terry Bradshaw famously did not get along. And, you know, Terry had issues with how he was coached by Chuck Knoll. But that's, that's not even close to 20 years that you're spending with somebody. 20 years where you show up and you know it's going to be the same guy acting the same way no matter if I won a Super Bowl, an MVP, or, you know, we got bounced in the second round of the playoffs. It doesn't matter to him. And I'm trying to think of other quarterbacks. Like Drew Brees and Sean Payton, they have great respect and admiration and probably a friendship. Like that's, that's pretty good. And Peyton Manning, you know, Peyton and Tony Dungy, great relationship there, friends. Do you have the Falcon uniforms, Paulie? Uh, yeah, and... Uh, oh, boy. The whiff. Oh, no. The whiff. Oh, boy. They're, they look very um, Any Given sunday Yes, I was going to say it's right out of a movie. It looks like the movie Any Given Sunday. There's some white-on-whites with ATL instead of Atlanta or Falcons over the number. Mm. Then they have a red black uniform where the red transitions into black, like the Jaguars helmets. Mm. That's not working. But then on the right, they have a clean-looking kind of 80s version where it's black jersey, white pants, red-black stripe, and nice, great socks. 
kind of the William Andrews type era. Doesn't it feel like the second uniform is going to be Tampa Bay Buccaneers-esque? Yeah. It, it yeah, it sort of looks like they borrowed the Buccaneers' old crappy numbers <laughs> and uh, <laughs> repurposed them. <laughs> That's Yeah, you throw in a mixture of the Jaguars <laughs> and the Buccaneers and you got the new Falcon uniforms here. The Rams got to be happy about this. Yeah, Paulie. And they have Matt Ryan in a black-on-black uniform of black socks with yeah. a tough look. I'm a big Matt Ryan fan, but he is not going to intimidate me with a black uniform. He does not look like a tough guy. He looks like a great father yeah. and a good citizen and a really good quarterback. What are the other poll questions we're looking at today, McLevin? Okay, on Tom Brady, is he end up his career more Joe Montana, playoff run with the Chiefs, or Joe Namath, uh, sort of – Lost with the L.A. Rams. Oh, Joe Montana. I mean, Joe Namath wasn't healthy. I mean, it's not a fair comparison. But we never, all those guys, Edmund Smith, we never expected them to fail. We always thought they'd go to their last team and do well. Well, a running back at that age joining a new team, you can't expect much out of him. But Joe Namath was not healthy. I don't remember. Oh, Joe, okay. I don't remember us thinking Emmett was going to bomb with Arizona. I thought they paid him a ton of money. Well, yeah, but they probably wanted some to, somebody to make them relevant. You know, nobody nobody cared about them. And then having Emmett there, the all-time leading rusher. How about Johnny Unitas with the Chargers? Was any did any, I don't remember that at all. Did that do anything? Were there no. any guys? No. Did, would you say it's fair to say most guys flame out in their but last they're, but they're, they're But they're joining somebody in the twilight of their careers. How, how many have something left late in their careers where they're going to actually make an impact there. And those guys are five years younger than Tom Brady. Why isn't Tom Brady? Well, Joe Namath didn't. Joe Namath had knee issues when he was in college. Joe was a very athletic quarterback at Alabama. Then he had the knee surgeries, and then he became one of the great pocket passers. But uh, And he didn't take care of himself off the field. Tom has taken care of himself off the field. He's made a business out of this. That's true. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, uh, Paulie's poll question you said that you get an honest answer. Isn't Deflategate the obvious answer then? Because then we could get an honest answer from Tom. Yeah, but I don't. Howard, I don't think Howard mm-hmm. Stern's going to be interested in Deflategate as much as he is Giselle. Now, if Tom was going to be on this show and we could ask whatever we wanted to, then yeah, I'd, I'd want to know about Deflategate. Okay, I, I was thinking this was like a truth serum poll question, uh, but a Howard question. Well, Paulie okay. is saying it. Look, if you could get a totally honest answer from Tom mm-hmm. Brady on the Howard Stern show, it would be Got about it. Giselle, not Deflategate. Yeah. On this show, it would be either about what is your relationship, you know, really like, or you know, how would you describe your relationship with Belichick? Deflategate. I would just want to know. Walk me through how you deflated the footballs. Do you mean in an illegal way or a legal way? (laughs) What? An illegal way. Tell me about the deflator and who gave him that name. And did you think about giving him a different name than the deflator? Yeah, Paul. It'd be great if like Howard or anyone asked Brady, wasn't it silly to have a rule whatsoever around footballs because all you guys had equal opportunity to fill them up or take them out, the air out as much as you like, which would be fair to everybody? Isn't it a dumb rule? Is that why you did it? And yeah. If you start there, maybe you're like, yeah, it was a dumb rule, and that's why we did it our way. And we've I've said that, that it is, I believe that the quarterback should be able to have a football to his liking. That, there's no competitive advantage that you have here. Aaron Rodgers wants it a little bit firmer. Fine. I mean, to me, I, I look at it like sleep number. 
you know, my sleep number mattress, I, I have my firmness and I should be able to have whatever I want with my mattress and my football. And that's what they should let these quarterbacks do. They're the one, if you say, here, Peyton Manning, here's your football. Tom, here's your football. That's it. That's not a big deal. But, you know, what happened behind the scenes is what made it worse. It's a silly rule. But if, you, if you're lying about it, then you pay the price there. And that's what happened. But I don't think Howard's going to be as curious about Deflategate as he is Giselle. Well, I think Howard is a man of science and understands that that whole thing is garbage <laughs> anyway. So why waste time on it? <laughs> uh, I still love the fact that Belichick did not have his back through that as much as he should have. Uh, or Robert Kraft. I don't know. It felt like they were like, Tom was... What what was the movie that uh, George Clooney is in where he's floating in space? Is he with Sandra Bullock? Is that the oh, hot astronauts in space? Something like that. That's a good movie. <laughs> What's that movie where he acts like he's Dean Martin <sighs> drinking all the time and, and then he floats off into space at the very end? That's what I always felt like Brady was sort of out there floating in space. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he realized that the umbilical cord had been cut. And he was like, wait, I'm I'm. Do you guys remember that movie? Gravity? I don't I don't know. Is that I think that's it? Maybe. Some kind of Apollo something. What wasn't that uh Spanish director who did this? Hot astronauts <laughs> in space is a much better. I thought title. hot astronauts in space sounded a lot I saw that. I s- yeah, that was on it. I think I saw that. It was Pornhub. And I think <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Whoa. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No comment. Yeah. Now we just turned into the Stern show. Yes, it did. <laughs> Time clean, to take a break. Clean up. Cal Ripken's coming. Yeah, up. oh, it's true. It's called Gravity. Man. Okay, Gravity. Is is Sandra Bullock in that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. Okay. All right. God. I started off with Maravich from 1977, and I ended up with Gravity. How do we do it? We'll take a break. By the way, Maravich only twice. Oh, here's one. Now, you know what? Oh, oh wait. No wait on this. I, I don't want to get riled up again on, on Pete Maravich getting too offensive. He fouls out. Offensive foul. Scores, offensive foul. Basket waved off. Could have had 70. All right, take a break. Cal Ripken will join us. We'll uh, welcome your phone calls as well. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle with dpshow. You can watch on youtube.com slash the Show. The big German and Dylan got it all handled there back in their little room. 22 after the hour. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. By the way, I just was in the mailroom and I opened up a package. I've got all the Nickelback albums. They, how they, how many so, are there? I think there's five or six, but uh, Warner Music, uh, one of their vice presidents, sent it to me, and I have all the Nickelback albums on vinyl. vinyl. Yeah. yeah. Got them all. Sounds even better. Got them all. Uh, be prepared for whatever comes your way. The all-new GT four-door coupe, because life is a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. Mercedes-AMG. If you missed any of the interviews from the DP show, uh, you can go to the DP Show app. Watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG driving performance. I also got uh, all seven seasons of Mad Men. 
Whoa. Yeah, um, there was a nice uh, woman in Tennessee who said, I heard you haven't watched an episode, so she sent me all of her DVDs. So I'm set. I've got all of my music with Nickelback, and I've got Mad Men. I am set for the next uh, week or so. Yes, Eaton? I think you'll like Mad Men. That's a, that's a hell of a show. Yeah, I get it. I, I mean, I but I've never watched an episode. I, I like John Hamm. Uh, who's the uh, woman from The Handmaid's Tale? Oh. What's her name? Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, she's very talented. Yeah, Paul. I think you'll love it. it it's up there with, with my, as my all-time favorites. When I first heard the, the tagline for it, um, advertising men in New York back in the 50s and 60s or 60s, I was yeah. like, eh, it's fantastic. I watched the whole series a bunch of times. Yeah. People are wondering, who are these players with Matt Ryan in the Falcon uniforms? Because I just know, where, where, where's, where's, where's Julio Jones? Yeah, who the hell are these guys? I, I don't know who 45 is. I don't know if that, I don't know what that number is. Is it 87 or 67? But he, I mean, he looks tough. Long snapper, John Smith. But I, I, I have no idea here. Jimmy in Chicago joins us. Hi, Jimmy. What do you have for me? I know you were talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneer jerseys, so, yeah. uh, the Crimson Goals a little bit earlier. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, what do you think the best sports jersey is? Maybe I'm biased because I'm from Chicago, but I think the Blackhawks jerseys are, are number one. And uh, this also, this goes way back, but I think one of the songs Seaton played from one of your breaks was uh, Circles by Incubus, my favorite band, uh, best album by them. What do you do? All right. Well, thank you, Jimmy. I, I don't want to get into best uniforms today. I'd rather talk about worst uniforms, but... Uh, the Blackhawks logo, I think, is the best. I, that is spectacular. I, I think it is It is regal looking. It is beautiful. Uh, Blackhawks logo is great. Absolutely. But I'm looking at these Falcon jerseys, and I don't know. The ATL, they could have done something. They could have done a little bit more with that, I think, with the Falcons. But coming off, maybe if they did it before the Buccaneers did theirs, it might have helped a little bit there. But if you're a 13-year-old, and really, you know, that's your marketing to younger fans, not us, and you're going, are you interested in this? That's why, you know, younger fans may be interested in that Rams new logo. They're not trying to sell it to me. They're trying to sell it to younger fans there. All right, we'll get to phone calls coming up. We're going to settle on a poll question, then we'll get to uh, Cal Ripken. Yeah, we put up that Brady poll. If you get a totally truthful answer, which would you want? Deflategate, Giselle. We took out the Howard Stern option. Just any any Tom Brady question you want to ask. Okay. Because I'm just saying that it's different for Howard than it would be for me of what he would be curious about. Now, that doesn't mean I wouldn't enjoy hearing Howard talk about Giselle to Tom Brady, but I would want to know about Deflategate and, and Bill Belichick. I just don't think that Tom Brady is dishing on, you know, he's, he's going to pull back the curtain on the Patriots. I just, I, I don't see that happening. And, you know, this, sometimes you can get frustrated when you're talking to somebody and you realize you're not going to get something out of them. But if you're, I think if Howard had Brady in person, then you probably get a lot more out of it because there's that disconnect that you have when you're trying to do it, and you know, even with you know their setup that they have now, it's like it's not even normal setup that you have, and you're trying to do this, and it's difficult. Yeah, Paul. And you've had people in studio before, and the body language on an answer, you could tell someone's hiding it, kind of being sarcastic. There's, you could tell by someone's face whether they're not giving you everything. Yeah. 
You can tell where something, where somebody cringes or that you feel like they're not telling everything that you want to hear. I mean, you're looking for nuance. You're looking for something subtle in what somebody says. And when you're in person with them, I found it a lot easier when you're there with them. Some, some people will uh, disagree where you can almost, when you're talking to somebody on the phone, you feel like it's just you two on, on, you know, discussing this. When you sit down with lights, you got a suit on, you got makeup on, people are watching, you know what I mean? It's not as personal. Uh, but, you know, I think Howard usually has these people in studio, and, you know, that certainly helps with what he's trying to ask you. All right, so uh, we're waiting for Cal Ripken. I don't know if... Uh, momentarily. No, momentarily. Momentarily, we'll have Cal Ripken. Hank Aaron, one of my uh, childhood heroes, will join us coming up in the final hour. Uh, and uh, Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network. You know, I guess the big buzz is still what's going to happen with the Dolphins, what's going to happen with Tua. Who's taking a chance? And I do say chance on Tua. Is, is it going to be the Dolphins? Are the Chargers going to be interested? You know, and I get why there's a smokescreen here. If, if you're the Dolphin, like I want you to think that we're going to do something that if you're the Chargers, you might have to do something. You know, because the Chargers can go, hey, we're interested in Tua. What are the Dolphins going to do? Dolphins going to go up to three? Because if the Redskins are going to take Chase Young, absolutely. I mean, they'd be crazy not to. Uh, is uh, Rip ready to join us, Paulie? Sure is. Cal Ripken, you can uh, help Cal Ripken Jr., the uh, Cal Ripken Senior Foundation and its partners uh, launch Strikeout Hunger 2020, Feeding America, lend a helping hand during the uh, challenging times. Join them by donating at ripkinfoundation.org slash donate slash strikeout hunger. Rip, how are you today? I'm doing really good. It's, uh, if I could just say in a, in a real quick thing, you did a really nice job of uh, giving all the details. But our foundation has helped kids all across the country, and uh, now we've shifted our focus temporarily to help uh, the food insecurity, and uh, I couldn't be prouder of our foundation. Um, we put in $100,000. Our partners um, put in another 150, and I think other partners are adding money right now. So we got a really good start, but we want we want to help as many kids as we can, uh, and uh, that, that's all I'm asking for uh, is is a little help. One dollar given um, is ten meals distributed. So uh, uh, five dollars, ten dollars can go a long way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's great to talk to you. I don't know if you watched the uh, re-air of your game last night on ESPN when you broke Lou Gehrig's all-time record. Have you watched that I, game? I, I did. Uh, I realized last night that I hadn't watched it in its entirety, um, you know, from start to finish. And listening to Chris Berman and, uh, and Buck Martinez, that was, uh, that was kind of fun. And then listening to Earl Weaver and uh, John Miller and everybody else. And it's, all, it's actually fun. I like going back and looking at myself then because I was kind of skinny. Um, but uh, to see the other guys, to see Chris Berman, how youthful uh, he looks. I mean, it's 25 years ago that that happened. It's amazing. You gave your jersey and hat to your family. Uh-huh. Now, is, was that to make sure it didn't go to the Hall of Fame that you wanted to keep it? Like, no. Okay. No, the, uh, I was given by my kids that morning uh, the black T-shirt that said 2131 hugs and kisses for daddy. And my, my daughter was five and my boy was two. And so I wanted to, I wanted, I didn't really have it figured out, but I wanted to show them that I wore my jersey. Oh. I mean, I wore the T-shirt underneath. And I was thinking about unbuttoning and kind of showing it to them. And then I got the idea in the midst of that 22-minute uh, uh, ovation. I kept coming out, 
embarrassed to say thank you all those times in a row. But I came out uh, and I took my jersey off and I uh, asked uh, Butch, the clubhouse guy, to go get my, another jersey from my locker. And so I brought this jersey out and gave it to him. But the whole design was so they could see that I wore the T-shirt. Oh, okay. Because I, I wasn't sure but that you took it off. And then I noticed Rafael Palmero and Bobby Benilla, like they were saying, go back out there. Like I think after the second one, you're like, uh, I'm a little uncomfortable here. With a yeah, I was call. thinking about that. Um, I remember it that Robert, Raphael and Bobby Bo were the two people. But if I re- really remember correctly, it was Rafi's idea. Bobby Bo took ownership of it because uh, <laughs> he, he wanted to push me out there. Jeffrey Hammonds was in on it. I think Le- Leo Gomez was there. And I think we all didn't know what to do. You know, nobody could have uh, ri- ri- written that sort of script. But uh, we were saying, you know, God, you know, we, we got to get this game going on. I was kind of embarrassed that, you know, Mike Messina was pitching and it was like a long rain delay for him. And uh, and then they said you got to take a lap. And I'm going. I'm not taking a lap around this park. And I might have even said that's a dumb idea. And then when they pushed me down there, you know, and I started to see pe- people's faces that I knew. I started to see uh, some uh, people that I knew their names. And then the celebration turned from this huge um, outpouring, uh, you know, from the from uh, upper decks and lower decks into a real intimate uh, celebration. So that it it, it was. Uh, it was pretty amazing. But what was bizarre, though, Rip, is we knew that it was going to happen. It wasn't like you were Kirk Gibson and you just homered off Dennis Eckersley in the World Series. It was, hey, let's. This is going to be an official game. When it's an official, it's an official game. And then all of a sudden, we're like, let's go crazy. It's an official game. Congratulations, Cal Ripken. Um, you kind of summed that up pretty good. The, uh, I didn't know this, but I was talking to Tim Kirchin yesterday, uh, and Tim Kirchin uh, said, you know, at game number. 2008 they started uh the uh the banner on the warehouse and i remember the first time the banner on the warehouse uh they started playing this music uh when the game became official whether it's four and a half or whether it was five depending upon if you were ahead or not and then all of a sudden uh the the number would fall down and there would be a new number on the warehouse and so the it almost um brought the fans along to that moment of uh, the number dropping, which uh, created its own drama in itself. So, uh, you know, and I I think it was just an accumulation of, uh, you know, all the years. Um, And I think for for personally, one of the things that I enjoyed most about that uh, year-long celebration was that everybody related to, uh, you know, showing up. Uh, They related to the work ethic of – uh, a perfect attendance in school or uh, never missing a day of work, or uh, they took pride in that. So I, I heard everybody's uh, uh, streaks that they had in their own lives. And I, and I thought that was pretty interesting that, uh, you know, we as uh, athletes, I could never uh, be a ba- uh, basketball player and guard Shaquille O'Neal down uh, low because, uh, I, I, you know, you don't have the size in baseball. It seems like you can be any size. And uh, it's interesting that, uh, uh, a work ethic or um, uh, how you go about your job, everybody can relate to that as well. So that was really fun for me. Did you ever miss, uh, you know, school because you were sick? <laughs> yes. Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. It's, here's the amazing part is that uh, because I did miss a game, people uh, think that I have this obsession and I had perfect attendance in school and everything was, uh, um, but um I always laugh because, uh, you know, uh, people looked at not missing a day of work, and I go, well, that's a real streak. And I say, because I don't work. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, uh, I play a game for a living. I, I don't have to grow up, but you can, you can be a kid until you're, uh, in my case, 41. 
But how do you so, avoid uh, injury, though? That That's the... I mean, there's a little bit of luck. I don't know how much strategy, but you're playing shortstop. There's mm-hmm. plays at, you know, second base. You know, you, I don't know how many times you got hit by a pitch during that streak, but mm-hmm. it's amazing. I mean, that, that's, you, you, can get, you can get hurt in any number of ways, in the freakish sort of ways, and there was many people that were on the, on the disabled list for things that they did at home. And so... Um, I remember People Magazine was asking me, uh, um, "Do I not uh, cut up my own food? Do I, you know, do I not use knives? Do I?" Uh, um, <laughs> so there were there were different things that they were asking me to kind of avoid home accidents. But the truth of the matter is, um, I did get injured. I mean, everybody that plays the game is going to have nagging injuries, and you and you have to deal with a certain amount of nagging injuries. If I play 162, or somebody plays 152 or 145. It's a similar sort of uh, feeling uh, all the way through. I did have a good set of jeans. I healed really well. So if I had a line drive off my instep, you know, hit a ball down on my foot, you know, it would hurt like uh, nobody's business. But when you look at it the next day, I didn't have the swelling and I didn't have uh, – but other people could hit a ball off their foot. It could swell up, and then they couldn't move their uh, foot or ankle, and they would go on a disabled list. So I had a, I had a good set of jeans. But the best part about it is – when you do play through an injury and then you force yourself to go through and then there's light on the other side and you do well, then you, then, uh, you have confidence that the next time that, that happens, uh, you can do it. So I always thought the key to anyone playing all those games in a row, do it once. And if you finish strong in September, you've answered the question whether you were capable of doing it or not. And then it's just a matter of uh, keeping that same approach each and every year. Uh, before I let you go, uh, Help me understand how baseball could pull this off where they could get all 30 teams in Arizona and play a baseball season. You know, um, if you put on your analytic, uh, analytical brain, which uh, I, I can't turn off, um, the hurdles and the challenges are uh, almost intimidating to, you know, sort of an idea like that. But I think I stepped back a little bit. I was happy. My first reaction was I was happy that Major League Baseball is working so hard to bring it back in some shape or form. So I guess given the fact that uh, if we can have it in some form, because I do think baseball um, is healing in some ways, sport is healing to, uh, to all of us in our day-to-day lives. I witnessed that and I would have never thought in, uh, after 9-11, um, the role that baseball played in that short term, uh, I thought was pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal to allow us to distract, to, uh, to dive into, uh, you know, baseball and, uh, and, and, and I think in this case, no, none of us have been through anything like what we're going through now. And, and so I, I'm, I look for some signs of normalcy. And, and for my world, um, I'd love to see the guys back on the field playing baseball in, in some way, shape, or form so um, you know, I could get that in my daily life. Uh, good luck here, Rip, and great to talk to you. It's Strikeout Hunger 2020 with uh, Cal Ripken. Uh, great to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Hey, Dan, hey Dan how, are, how are you doing through all this? Uh, I often wonder, uh, you know, everyone's work is uh, affected. Um, you guys can do things digitally, and, you, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can still go on, but you don't have all the information and the content that you usually have. Yeah, it makes it a little bit more challenging, but I think it's brought us closer together with my guys because now we're in constant contact. Now we're looking for things that are interesting to us and you hope interesting for your audience. So you're just each day you think differently than taking it for granted that, hey, I'm going to recap what LeBron did last night. You know, then you go like I have Hank Aaron on later today. Uh, I have the Oregon basketball player, uh, Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, we'll talk the NFL draft. You know, so you're you're just kind of bouncing around. It's a game of pinball every day, but it's a different game of pinball. 
So you'll you'll be better off as a result of this in, yeah. in some ways yeah. if you have an optimistic view. Yes, yes. I'm cool. a five-tool uh, announcer here. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rep. All right, see you, Dan. That's Cal Ripken Jr. Cal Ripken Jr. Who I'll tell you a funny story about Rip when we come back. We'll uh, come back with our play of the day after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. Oh my God. The play, the play, is play. of the day. Left side, got it! Check this out. Gotta go fast. Jerome gives it up. Far side. Hunter. Hits the three to tie it. What? Oh my goodness, with 12 seconds remaining. Year ago today, Virginia, Texas Tech went into OT. Virginia coming out on top. It was Virginia's first NCAA title. A little blink 182. I miss you. Courtesy of CBS. Play of the day. Play of the day brought to you by LegalZoom. No matter what happens, you want to take care of your loved ones. LegalZoom has made it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. Cal Ripken was hit 57 times by a pitch during that entire streak of 2,632 games. A lot of luck went into that, but Rip's a big guy too. He's about 6'4", but you're playing shortstop and... You can accidentally break something and then not be able to play. The story I was going to tell you, I was at a Preakness party, and uh, Cal Ripken was there, among other, uh, some NCAA uh, coaches were there. And uh, I was standing with uh, Cal, and this woman comes up. She goes, I know you. I know you. And Rip goes, you know, because you're in Baltimore. And he goes, yes, yeah, I no, I know you. I know you. And, and you could just see where Ripken is going, yeah, I mean, come on ahead. You know, say I'm, I'm the great one. You know, I'm unbelievable. I, I, my street. Steve Wilkos. <laughs> Steve Wilkos. <laughs> from the Springer Show. <laughs> Steve has his own show now, but he was the director of security on the Jerry Springer Show. And I, I, could, I was doing my best to <laughs> not laugh because... I you should go, Steve, Steve, and then you could just see where Rip's going. Wait, call me Steve, not even Billy, his brother. And he, yeah, Jerry Springer's show. And I go, (laughs) 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 oh, I just started. Yeah, I said, hey, Mister Iron. When it was all when she left, I go, hey, Mister Iron Man. He goes, oh gosh. He goes, I didn't know what to do. What should I have done there? I go, no, no, you handled yourself. You were good. She thinks that you're Steve from the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> Honey, you'll never guess who I met today. Steve Wilkos from the Jerry Springer show. Yeah, from Springer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Heidi, coming up next hour, are the Dolphins really interested in Tua? Are the Chargers interested in Tua? Who's willing to move up? What games are being played here? 
We'll talk to Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network. Hank Aaron will join us in an hour from now. And Sabrina Ionescu, the Oregon All-American basketball player. All of that coming up. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 